Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. What's up, Doc? Hey, you're pretty good, Fred. You're despicable. Jetson, I thought I fired you. I thought I tore a pussy cat. Say your prayer! That's all, All of the voices you just heard came from the same person. It's a pleasure to welcome Mr. Mel Blank. What's up, David? Mel Blank is a voice acting legend. I worked in 5,000 different cartoons. Uh-huh. And uh, actually, I do about 400 different voices. Mel Blank was the greatest voice artist that ever lived. His range was full eight octaves, his ear was unbelievable. His ability to hear a dialect was uncanny, and he was the kindest, gentlest man you'd ever know. That's Noel Blank, Mel's son. And what do I do? Produce commercials and films and do a lot of the voices that my dad did. Here's Noel as Elmer Fudd in Family Guy. Shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Everyone in animation agrees that Mel Blanc was unique and completely changed the industry. His voices helped create iconic cartoon franchises that are still going strong today. Even from a young age, Mel loved doing voices. He was totally the class clown. But even though Mel clearly had immense talent, his first job wasn't even as an actor. He was a musician. He played various music on uh, trumpet, on tuba, on violin and piano. At 17 years old, he was conducting the major orchestra out of Portland. A few years later, he met his soon-to-be wife, Estelle Rosenbaum. They eventually started a radio show together in Portland called Cobweb and Nuts. They were paid $15 a week total for the two of them. So they were pretty well starving up there, and then that's when they decided to come down to Los Angeles. Estelle encouraged Mel to pursue his dreams of acting. He knew just the place that needed his specific talents. This clip is from the documentary Mel Blank, The Man of a Thousand Voices. I had seen some of the Warner Brother voices in the cartoons, and I thought, geez, they're, they're missing out on an awful lot. Their voices are pretty bad. Even though Mel is now famous for Porky Pig, he actually wasn't the first person to play the character. Here's the original voice. Mel was convinced he could do better. So, like clockwork, Mel went to Warner Brothers every two weeks. And he was rejected over and over again by the person responsible for hiring voice actors. I said, I'd like to audition for you and show you what I can do. He says, I'm sorry, we've got all the voices we need. But... After two years of persistence, Mel knocked on Warner Brothers' door at the perfect time. The person who kept rejecting him just happened to be homesick. The next fellow in line happened to be the sound effects engineer for the Warner Brothers cartoons. He said, let me hear what you do. 
So I auditioned for him and he got a big kick out of it. He said, would you do it again for the directors? I said, gladly. And they loved him and said, what are you doing next week? And of course, Mel wasn't even working. He said, well, I don't know. I think I can make it. Mel's first Warner Brothers cartoon was Picador Porky, but he wasn't Porky Pig. He was Porky's unnamed drunk friend. The Warner directors were blown away. They recognized Mel's talent immediately. And when Porky Pig's original actor was fired from the role, they offered it to Mel. I went out to a pig farm and wallowed around with the pigs for a couple of weeks. I come back, I said, if a pig could talk, he'd talk with a grunt, you know. That's Porky talk. With a grunt. Mel's debut of Porky Pig came in the 1930s. The cartoon was called Porky's Duck Hunt. It introduced one of Mel's other famous characters, Daffy Duck. Porky and Daffy helped make Mel and Warner Brothers famous. But one of Mel's creations is clearly king. They showed me a picture of this little rabbit. And he's going to say, hey, what's cooking? I said, instead of him saying, hey, what's cooking? Why don't you have him say, hey, uh, what's up, Jock? That's the, the new uh, expression that was uh, being so popular. And I said, why don't you name him after the guy who drew the first picture of him? His name was Bugs Hardaway. Why don't you call him Bugs Bunny? Mel first appeared as Bugs Bunny in a 1940s cartoon called A Wild Hare. Well, they told me that Bugs was a tough little stinker. And I thought, what kind of a voice can I give him? The tough character, maybe Brooklyn of the Bronx. So uh, I put the two of them together, Doc, and that's how Bugs Bunny came out. What's up, Doc? In that first appearance as Bugs, the character had big teeth way outside his mouth and sort of a long face. Today, Bugs has smaller teeth and they're closer to his mouth. And he has a rounder face. When the animation changed, Mel changed Bugs' voice to match. Here's Mel's son, Noel, again. Bugs was a different kind of voice that instead of going, they had big teeth. And it's kind of like this. You heard of early cartoons. It's a totally different kind of a voice until they move the teeth back into the mouth. Now, don't spread this around. But uh, confidentially, I am a rabbit! The process of forming a new character always started with the art. First they would show me a picture of the character that they wanted to use in the cartoon. Then they would show me what they call a storyboard. This is what this character is going to do throughout the cartoon. After Mel looked at the art and storyboards, he would do a little research about the character's animal. When he landed the role of Daffy Duck, he did a bit of bird watching. Actually, that's where he picked up Daffy Duck's voice, because Daffy Duck, that spray... Is a spray. It's not a lift. A lift is this. It's a spray. Well, if you've seen the ducks land in the water, they get a lot of water in both orifices. Listen, sport. You don't know the meaning of fair play. Daffy Duck sounds a bit similar to another iconic character, Sylvester the Cat. But there's one key difference. Daffy is spraying water out of his mouth. Sylvester is drooling over a little yellow canary that he wants to eat so badly. Sylvester, which is the lower sprayer down here, is just salivating because of uh, Tweety. So they're not lisping, they're salivating. 
I never thought just being a pussycat could get so complicated. Mel traveled all the way to Australia to find the voice for the Tasmanian devil. When he was in Tasmania, in Hobart, they have a wonderful zoo in the main city there. And uh, he visited the Tasmanian devil in the zoo and realized that the Tasmanian devil devoured everything in front of him. Here's what actual Tasmanian devils sound like. They're notorious for how aggressively they eat. And here's how Mel interpreted those sounds. Mel's also famous for the voice of Tweety Bird. I thought I saw a putty chair. I did, I did, I did saw a putty chair. From the start, people adored Mel's characters. But their popularity really soared in the 1940s. The major thing that sold Bugs Bunny to the public was a two-minute song on buying bonds. And those at that time were war bonds. And he and Elmer Fudd and Porky Pig sang the song, Any Bonds Today. Bonds of freedom, that's what I'm selling, any bonds today. Every theater between every performance, and this is, again, where 50 million people a week are going to the theater or more. And that's how, really, they became popular. Any bonds today. Mel's characters were so popular that he asked for a raise. But instead of more money, Warner Brothers countered with something no other cartoon voice actor had at the time. That was his name featured in the credits. That meant his name got out there, and other studios wanted to hire him. He was doing 18 radio shows a week at one time. And so he would run from CBS to NBC to ABC, which were very close there. So he'd come on, he'd know exactly the characters he was doing, whether it was the Abbott and Costello show. What's up, Doc? What's cooking, Pacho? Costello, look, it's Bugs Bunny. Or uh, the Jack Benny show. It says here that you do imitations, is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I do animals, all kinds of things. Mel even had his own show. Starring himself in person, Mel Blanc. Good evening, folks. Mel Blanc was a household name. For decades, he voiced many of the Looney Tunes while also doing bit parts for Hanna-Barbera. Here he is as George Jetson's boss, Cosmo Spacely. Jetson, I thought I fired you. Now get out. He also did the barks for Fred Flintstone's pet dinosaur, Dino. And he was even the voice of Barney Rubble. (laughs) Now I know how it feels to be hatched. All in all, Mel created over 400 voices. As far as we know, there is no person on Earth who can voice all the characters of Mel Blanc. It was a unique combination of factors that all came together to create his unparalleled talent. We'll unravel the mystery of what made Mel not just one of the greatest voice actors in history, but one of the greatest actors, period. After this. By the time I need to hire someone at my sound design studio, DeFacto Sound, I'm already slammed. That's why Indeed is super useful. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. Indeed takes all of the labor-intensive parts of searching and matching for candidates and does them for you. 
Indeed's smart matching engine will read through dozens of applications and cross-reference them against each other. Indeed will also send out messages to all the candidates that didn't make it with just one click. It's not just about saving time, it's also about quality. According to their own data, 93% of employers say that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. And we've got a great deal for you. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's this episode's mystery sound. And again. If you think you know what that sound is, let us know at the web address mystery.20k.org. And if you guess it right, you'll be entered to win one of our world-famous super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirts. Stick around to the end of the show to hear the reveal of last episode's mystery smell. Mel Blanc was the most prolific and influential voice actor of all time. He performed more than 400 characters, many of which he created out of thin air. And every one of these characters had a distinct personality and voice. No other actor since then has been able to perform every voice Mel did. Here he is as Yosemite Sam. And Mel performed a lot of Hanna-Barbera characters too, like Secret Squirrel. If you don't mind, it's a sort of secret. He even did characters who never spoke actual words. He was doing all the different crazinesses of Tom and Jerry. Mel also created the voice for Woody Woodpecker. Everybody thinks I'm Mel actually left the role of Woody early in the series, but the show still uses Mel's pre-recorded laugh for the character. (laughs) Those few short giggles at the end are totally intentional. They're actually meant to sound like a woodpecker pecking. How do you even do that? (laughs) That's the best I can do. Nowadays, it takes about a dozen people to cover all of Mel's Looney Tunes characters. He could pull off feats of acting that were difficult for even seasoned voice actors. Here's Hank Azaria, who plays Moe, Chief Wiggum, and more than 15 other characters on The Simpsons. In this clip from the documentary Mel Blank, The Man of a Thousand Voices, Azaria talks about something Mel can do that the entire cast of The Simpsons can't. Only if you're a voice actor do you realize how incredible this is. When Bugs and Daffy are fighting over whether it's rabbit season or duck season, and Daffy Duck comes out dressed up as Bugs Bunny doing a Bugs Bunny imitation, then Bugs Bunny comes out dressed as Daffy doing a Daffy impression. What's up, Doc? Having any luck on those ducks? It's duck season, you know. Just a darn minute. Where do you get that duck season stuff? You know how hard that is to do, to take your own character, have it imitate another one of your own characters? It's almost impossible, because if you try to, like, combine two voices that you're doing, you kind of just land in the middle. We tried it one day at The Simpsons. We were talking about how we were marveling at Mel Blanc's ability to do this, and we all tried to do one of our characters imitating another one and have them sound different, and we couldn't do it. 
Mel's immense voice talent was a unique combination of factors. First, he had an amazing ear for dialects. Whether it was Armenian or Scottish, British, Irish, whatever it might be, even in the States, Mel could do voices from every state. Somebody from Mississippi could tell that difference between that and Arkansas. Mel also had a unique vocal cord structure. The doctor said after he put a camera down it, because I thought it would be a good idea to photograph his larynx, he said, we haven't seen this kind of vocal structure, and it's about twice as large as a normal vocal structure. So between the vocal structure of the larynx and his ability, an ear, an octave range, he had the bare assets for being the greatest voice person that ever lived. There were times where Mel had a little help from technology. Here's Bob Bergen, one of today's leading voice actors who actually got to watch Mel work. Many of Mel's voices were sped up electronically. A lot of people don't know that. I actually discovered that when I crashed a recording session when I was about 14. I was watching him work, and he was doing Tweety, and it was, like, really bad. I just thought it was because of his age, and he was smoking, and they played it back, and it was great. And I said to the producer, what would you do to the playback to make it sound so good? And she said we sped his voice up. Technically, they were recorded slower and played back at real time. So they were recorded, depending on the character, 10 or 12% slower. So when they played it back in real time, it was sped up. Here's Tweety as we recognize it from the cartoons. I thought I tore a pussy cat. I did. I did tore a pussy cat. And here's that same line, slowed down. This would have been the normal recording speed. I thought I tore a pussy cat. I did. I did tore a pussy cat. Even with a few genetic advantages and a little help from technology, this kind of acting requires a lot of talent and a lot of hard work. It's commitment to the character. Acting-wise, you have to be able to inhabit and commit to fully that character and never leave it for a moment. This is Debbie Derryberry. She's the voice behind more than 250 animated characters. On camera, they go through inhabiting the character, you know, for days and days on end. But in VO, you have to be able to hop into that character quickly, completely, and it will be believable if you are there. One of Debbie's characters is Jimmy Neutron on Nickelodeon. Good work, everybody! We're ready for intergalactic travel! Howie Mandel did a cartoon called Bobby's World, and I was his best friend Jackie, who was very uh, cerebral. I knew you'd come to your senses, Bobby. You finally realized that I'm the only woman you'll ever love. Both of Debbie's characters you just heard were little kids, yet they sounded like different people. So she really understands what it takes to create a distinct character. Debbie's favorite Mel Blanc creation is Pepe Le Pew. From your pillow to the shadow of a willow tree and tiptoe down little lips of a hey. Despite never being a Looney Tune, Debbie knows a ton about Mel Blanc. That's because everyone who works in the industry studies him. We never have to say Mel Blanc. People just know who Mel is. Debbie loves Mel's characters not just because he's a legend. Mel was an incredible actor. I'll hit on my all-time common misconception. Hey, my friends say I have a good voice. I would think I should do voice acting. I think I should be a cartoon voice. Oh, really? Here's the lowdown on that one. Voice acting is an acting job. 
That means you need to be an actor. You know, you just don't say, I'm going to be a rocket scientist or a computer programmer. You go to school to learn how to do these things. There's a lot involved in being a voice actor, learning the ins and outs of the microphone and, you know, being able to read, get the words off the page, meeting your acting beats in it, being able to change accents, being able to change characters. Lots of people can imitate Bugs Bunny's voice. For example, I can say, watch up, Doc, and sound a little bit like Mel. But only a few people can truly become the character of Bugs. It's a lot harder than you might think. So I just happen to be able to get my voice, Oh, in that baby thing where baby's talking, So I can get there pretty easy, and then that baby can age up. But each age has to be fully committed. And so if I have no accent, then that age transition can be, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what? He doesn't know what you're talking about. Mom, he doesn't know. Mom, look it. I'm just going to go to college, okay? I am out of here. Honey, when are you going to come home from school? You know what, darling? Get that girl home from school. So it's just moving it around and committing. Like Debbie, Mel was a master of modifying his voice. He could change the age or the dialect. He could turn the variables of his performance like dials. He was able to look at the picture and inhabit them. And as a voice artist, I would say, you layer them. Okay, so you have your Pepe Le Pew. Comment allez-vous this fine morning? Okay, he uses his voice, but he's got his French accent and his cadence. You know, he's got that French accent and everything goes up. And then you have your Tweety. I did, I did to a pretty cat. Okay, you put your speech impediment on it and you go down into your baby voice. I got a pretty cat. So you go into the baby spot. First you're in the baby spot. And then you start doing your ahs, ahs, try and get them just right. And then you put the actual sweetness in there. Like inhabiting and committing to the sweetness of this little Tweety Bird character. Or, you know, your Daffy Duck. That's dandy. Ho, ho, that's rich, I'll say. Now how about some color, stupid? You're going to start with Mel's voice. You're going to put in your sideways speech impediment there. And you got your sideways thing going on and his voice. And then you put in your mischievous and your snark and the nastiness that goes with Daffy. And other voice actors agree with Debbie. Here's Bob Bergen again. Well, he was vocally versatile, but he was also a brilliant actor. It was in the creating of the characters. He had lots of characters that might have sounded similar, like Daffy Duck. How about a little something to stimulate the scalp? Because basically, Sylvester sped up. <laughs> but the personalities were totally different. The man could take those words and bring them to life with a uniqueness that was just his own. Also, because of the way his vocal cords were built, he had such a lovely, deep, bassy voice at the same time. He had a very nasal voice. So when he was sped up, it didn't sound like a chipmunk. You know, he had so much bottom to his range that the sped-up voice didn't sound artificially enhanced. So a lot of it was just the way he was built. Mel made the characters his own. When Flintstones producers gave him direction for Barney Rubble, they said they wanted him to sound like Art Carney on The Honeymooners. (laughs) I knew it would (laughs) work. Mel's response was, I don't do impressions. 
Uh, the voice of Barney Rubble, yeah, I did the voice for him. And uh, you know, it's a different voice than Art Carney. They said, do a voice like Art Carney. I said, no, I won't do that, but uh, I'll give you this voice here. I'll take the same inflections that he uses and uh, a slow laugh at the end. <laughs> oh boy, wait till Fred sees my new bowling ball. It'll bring my score up to at least a hundred. Strike! <laughs> They'll call me Twinkle Toes Rubble, the terror of the alleys. <laughs> Strike! Mel Blanc was at the height of his career, and the characters he created grew the animation industry into big business. There were more than 400 voices in one man. Hundreds, if not thousands of jobs depended on him, and millions of viewers had come to rely on him for their escape and entertainment. All of that came to a sudden halt. Here's Mel's son, Noel, again. He was driving in Dead Man's Curve, big curve around UCLA, and a kid in a big Oldsmobile jumped the uh, divider on Dead Man's Curve and plowed him straight on, head on, head to head. The kid didn't get hurt because he was driving this huge car. My dad was in an aluminum car in Aston Martin. It folded up. We'll hear the rest of the story next time. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound incredible. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was written and produced by James Intracasso and me, Dallas Taylor, with help from Sam Sneebly. It was sound designed and mixed by Soren Bejan and Colin Devarney. Thanks to Noel Blank for sharing stories of his dad. Thanks also to Catherine Blank. Noel's wife, who wrote a children's book called Melvin the Mouth, which shares more of Mel's life. Also, thanks to Debbie Derryberry. You can find her work, books, and more at debbyderryberry.com. That's Debbie with an I, not a Y. Finally, thanks to Bob Bergen. You can find out all about Bob on his website, bobbergen.com. Many of the clips of Mel came from an amazing documentary called Mel Blank, The Man of a Thousand Voices. We've linked this entire documentary on our website, 20k.org. There, you'll also find the music tracks and transcripts for all of our episodes, plus original artwork. So go check it out. Thanks for listening. <laughs>